So we're doing this in we're doing this in English. So the idea is we try and do one English service uh, a month. Uh, we know that in heaven we all speak Afrikaans, but for now you have to just um, yeah you have to be able to listen to English. So um, and also the reason why I'm spe- why we're doing it in English because last week I just we did a mini series within the bigger theme, the bigger prayer theme, and it's about asking God but also receiving. And I told the, the, the congregation on Sunday night, because they're having a worship service tonight, Luke and them having a great plan for the next few weeks. They have a campaign, they're doing each one reach one, so they're trusting God that a lot of young people will come into, into the kingdom through this next four weeks. And maybe Luke can share something about that maybe next week or so. But yeah, so I was talking last week and we shared about asking and receiving. And I'm quickly going to give an introduction and then an overview. But um, if it's possible, before Tuesday this week, the, the sermons will be uploaded. So then you can just go on to showfossermons.org forward slash George and you'll be able to get the last one. So I'm not going to repeat everything. Because the, the thing is, I think a lot of us, we love the tangible presence of God. Who have you love? What, what happened here in Marilette so beautifully she led us into the presence of God. And when we pray, we love to know that God is close by. And I think a lot of us, we actually experience that. We experience it even in, in our body. We, it's tangibly, it's the God, the love of Jesus is present in our, in our quiet times. But then the last little while, I felt like God is, is challenging me. He's, he's, he's like, Amo, you, you love me. You love to be in my presence. But why don't you... Ask me for things that I've already promised in your word. Why don't you ask? So we went through a couple of scriptures, six of them last week, and we saw every time it says, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and it will be opened to you. And if you ask in faith, it says it will be given to you. So in, in Christianity, the way that we get stuff, the way that we get stuff done is through prayer. And a very specific prayer. It's a prayer of asking. And a lot of you are like, hey, Amo, you're opening a can of worms now. How can we teach immature Christians that they can just ask for anything? What if somebody asks for the All Blacks to win and other, some other person asks for the Springboks to win? What's God going to do? Yes, it's his, He's God of the universe. He knows how to deal with that. Our... our the, we as sons, we need to ask. As daughters, we need to ask. And in the end, I shared something about, about the, privilege, the, the privilege of a son is to ask. We have the privilege to ask. Think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. What did he do? He, he, was, he was already on assignment to die on the cross. He had the task. God gave him. God, the universe. There's no, there's no barrier between him and God. He can hear God, the Father's voice perfectly because they are one we don't understand that because our minds are not as big as god is and then still in the garden of gethsemane jesus negotiates with god he's like god if you will please take this cup away this cup of suffering away from me so the privilege we as sons asking is the privilege of a son we can ask you can ask for anything and that's what we dealt with last week so today we want to deal on how to 
how to actually receive those things. And a few principles, because James 4 verse 2, it speaks of that we can ask amiss. We don't have because we, we do not ask. That's the first principle that James is giving us. But the second one is we don't have because we don't, we ask amiss. So how can we rightfully ask for the things that God has stored up for us, the resources in heaven, and how can we actually get them? Because God wants to give. If you're a father in this house, you want to give. Like I'm, I'm talking to Morena and I'm talking to Philip about what's happening with the property. In my heart, this is, this is the heart of the father, the heart of, I really believe it's God's heart. I want to give them the property. I want to give them not only one, I want to give them a thousand properties because they're doing so, many, so much great work in our, in our community. But that's the heart of the father. The heart of the father is to give. So let's just go back quickly. Last week I shared that we... There are two big mistakes that we can make in prayer. The one is, we think we are not allowed to ask. We're not allowed to ask. We think you, you are not allowed to ask for financial provision. You think you're not allowed, you're not, you're not good enough for God to actually care about your financial situation currently. You're not good enough for God to actually care about your kids. You're not good enough for God to actually care about... Hey, your hobbies or your vacation. But we treat, we say God is our friend, but we treat God as a distant friend. To our friends, we'll say, hey, you know what? Yes, man, I would love an overseas holiday now. Hey, to your, your best friend, you say, hey, man, I just wish I asked, I, I want a new upgrade for my car because this thing is falling apart and it's costing me so much money. But you share that with your friend, but you're not allowed to share that with God. And your friend doesn't have the resources, or maybe has, or she has, but God has the resources. So that was the idea that, we, that I tried to convey last week. So the first thing is we allow to ask. It's a big mistake to tell people they're not allowed to ask. Even with my kids, I'm trying to teach them they're allowed to ask anything from God. Anything. I'm not saying God's going to give it to them. But it's a relational skill that we need to learn in asking stuff. Last week I also shared the story of, of somebody, a good friend that we know that has been talking to us about, hey, maybe the boss is, is not going to be so um, positive about an upcoming pr- or a pregnancy, that she's pregnant and uh, uh, the maternity leave. And she doesn't know how they will respond if she asks them, hey, I don't want to come back a full day. I'm only going to come back for half day. And then then we're like, hey, have you asked your boss? And then she said, no. And that's how we deal with God. We, we talk around the topic, but we never ask. So the first important thing of last week is that we're allowed to ask. The second one is God does not want, or, or the, the big mistake that we believe is God doesn't want to answer my prayers. Somehow, he doesn't care enough. And we need, to, we need to break that. It's a stronghold in the religious mind, and we need to break that. He doesn't care enough. He doesn't, he doesn't really care. He cares about people getting saved. He cares about the missionary in Mozambique or the missionary in Afghanistan. He doesn't care about my daily life. But he does, and he wants to answer. Okay, let's look at James 4, 2, and 3. Again, it's, so... James is referring to a worldly system, and then he's explaining how Christians, the, the Christian world operates. 
and on what it operates. He says, you lust and you do not have. The world's lasting. They, they want stuff. They desire stuff, but they do not have. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And then he's, he's talking about how we as Christians sh- should be able to get stuff. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So the worldly system says, hey, we must skive and we must knife and we must work hard. Hey, working hard is it's biblical. The Bible says if you don't work, you're not allowed to eat. So it's biblical. But, that, but James is telling us that there's even a more powerful tool available to us and it's prayer and a specific prayer and it's a prayer of asking so if we can ask amiss then obviously we can ask in the right way and we're going to look at a few principles on how to ask in the right way the one is we want to ask in faith and a lot of people they treat the asking in faith as a condition but what i want to bring over today is that it's don't think of it as a condition because conditions limit you're like oh i didn't ask in faith therefore i didn't get it we never know why it doesn't happen it's not it's not good actually doing the the kind of analyzing and why did it happen god's probably wrong with me and wrong with god i'm offended with god it's never good to do that what we should be seeing in in this scripture specifically is that Faith is actually a promise. If I have faith, I can obtain this. So Matthew or Mark 11, 23, 24 says, Truly I tell you, if anyone sees, says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, please don't do that. If you have faith and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done. It will be done for them therefore i tell you whatever you ask for in prayer believe that you have received it and it will be yours and not saying it's not telling us what we're allowed to ask or what we're not allowed to ask it tells us that as christians we should ask and that there's a promise that if we ask in faith then we can receive it but what does this faith look like a lot of you are like yeah yeah but i don't have faith so it doesn't help me. I felt that one. It's not going to work. If you look at nine or Mark 9, 24, it talks of Jesus. Um, the disciples tried to drive out a demon from, from a boy. And then the father came to Jesus and said, hey, the disciples tried, but nothing happened. And then Jesus, hey, why do I have to deal with this, this unbelieving and society? And then this man asked jesus he says have have pity on me and then jesus tells him if you have faith even the possible everything will be possible and then jesus and the, and the man replies and he says i do believe help me overcome my unbelief and we know that the boy that received deliverance so when we talk about faith, it's not perfect knowledge. It's not like, I know for sure, for sure. If you get to that point, that's brilliant. I know for sure, for sure that this is going to happen. That is brilliant. But it, some, sometimes, and most of the times, there's a little bit of unbelief. It's like this, this father. He's like, hey, Jesus, just have pity on me because your disciples didn't do it. Obviously, it's, there's something, I don't know what's wrong with me or with this boy. Hey, 
And then he just brings that unbelief to Jesus and he says, I believe, help me with my unbelief. So even in just asking is a way of saying, I have faith. I have faith. And I've, I'm actually challenging myself whenever there's somebody that tells me, whether it's in a conversation or if I'm somewhere in town, and they tell me something that I know that God can help them with in that very moment. I challenge myself to, in that moment, with that person, ask them for that specific thing. Because I know if I don't ask, I will never know if God actually wanted to heal and asking is actually a way of saying, God, Jesus, help me with my unbelief. I have faith. And my only, the only faith that I have currently is to ask. If somebody is, is walking around limping, what are we going to do? You say, hey, can I pray for you? Because that's faith. And God, we know that God wants to heal. So that's the first principle. We ask in faith. And it's not, it's not sure knowledge. It's coming to God as this father came to Jesus saying, hey, God, help me with my unbelief. The second one is we want to ask according to his will. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of. So it's, this is a very difficult one in our in our prayer life. So the question is, what is God's will? Well, if you've asked that question, maybe it's not God's will to bring a breakthrough in my marriage. Maybe God wants me to suffer through marriage and so in the end there's be more godliness coming out. Is that God's will? No, it's not God's will. But sometimes there are things that we don't, we don't, we're not sure. We're not sure if this is God's will. Well, if you felt like that, Hey, am I allowed to pray for this new car? Am I, am I allowed to pray for, for, for more money? Am I allowed to, to actually pray that, that God will intervene in this, in this situation at my business? Because obviously I'm going be, to be blessed, but somebody else is probably not going to be blessed. How, how does that work? But again, it is bringing it to God. Because where are you going to find out what God's will is? In prayer. So somehow we, we stand back and we're like, there's the king's throne, there's the king's door. I'm not going to open that door until I'm sure that what I'm going to ask is in God's will. That's not how it works. That's not how God wants to reveal himself. What he is telling us, he is saying, you know what, come through the door, barge through that door like my kids do whenever I have quiet time. And they barge in and it's like, Papa, I want orange juice, or whatever it might be. God's saying, come into my space. Come into my presence. Come like you came this morning. Came into His presence. And through just being there, the revelation will come of what God's will is. But we so, oh no, I'm not, no, I'm not allowed to ask. This This is blasphemous, asking this thing of God. No, it's not. You're a kid. You're a son, you're a daughter, you're allowed to ask anything. Jesus asked for the cross not to happen. How selfish is that? No, you can, you can just, so if we want to know God's will, we need to spend time in His presence. 
And that's how we want to know God's will. So I'm just going to give you a few examples of things that's always in God's will. It's always in God's will to heal. And if God doesn't heal, don't blame God and say he didn't want to heal. There's not a no in healing. We don't know. Just keep the mystery. Say, God, I don't know why it happened. I'm a little hurt. I'm a little offended. I'm bringing this to you. But I know that you always want to heal. Another one that God always wants to do is he always wants to save people. If there's somebody that's unsaved in your family or your friends, he always wants to do that. And if that person is not getting, getting saved, then you're not blaming God, but you're just praying in. You're persisting in this. And that's one of the points that we're going to look at later. But it is in God's will. It is in God's will also to bless his children. Most of you don't believe this. Most of you think God will only give to you what you need. Okay, that is also that He will give to us what we need, and he's, he's very interested in this. But if you look at the parable of Luke 15, where lost the prodigal son, what happens? This guy, he squandered all his wealth. He came back into the father's house. So the story is where the father is representing Jesus. And us representing the father, the good father, the extravagant father. What happens to him? He had spoiled in such a way that his older brother is offended by the way that he got spoiled by his dad. God's not gonna he's not gonna tempt you into 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 sin by spoiling. You'll never do that. But he is his heart is to spoil you. His heart is to bless you. And you need to, and you, as, if, you, if you don't believe that yet, you must go back and search the scriptures for who are we in Christ. Every heavenly blessing is available to us in Christ. Um, Ephesians 1, 3 says. So there's, there is a blessing that's awaiting us. There's a blessing that's awaiting us. So, and we need to take that. Okay, ask according to his will. And then John 14, 13, 14, it says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will what? I will do it. So, there's, there's a lot of theology around this in the name of Jesus. It's not only adding the phrase in the name of Jesus after every prayer. Although it is... It's a great habit because you're asking it in the name of Jesus. But what it means is that because of Jesus, his victory on the cross over every evil thing, and because of Jesus being the bridge between us and the Father, whenever we ask in his name, we ask with the authority that is the highest authority in the universe. It's like when I go to some Microsoft shop along somewhere in the mall or wherever, and I say, hey, you know what? I have Bill Gates in Bill Gates' name. Please give me a mouse or a PC. They won't sell an Apple to me because it's Microsoft. But they, they give it to me. So I'm coming with that authority. And Jesus, he's actually saying, he's actually saying, I want you to go in my name. Because I am proud of you. I love what you're doing. Yes, you're going to miss it. Sometimes you're going to ask something in the wrong, you're going to ask for something that's maybe not blessing me. But I still want you to go in my name. 
And we all know this with, with kids. Like kids carry our surname. My kids, have, they are Kennedy. And the Kennedys, they are great kids. And at the moment, we're getting, getting a lot of positive feedback. But I know every now and then there's a, there's a negative comment where they went in my name and did something that I, not, that I don't approve of. But I'm not going to scold them for that. Yes, maybe or whatever. But I'm still proud of them. And I'm still sending them out. And I love it when they're like, Amo O'Kennedy, my third son is also Amo O'Kennedy. I'm asking him, what's your name? He says, Amo. I'm like, my name is Amo, yes. What's your surname? Amo O'Kennedy. I love it because he's going in my name. He's representing me. Yes, he will mess up. So God's heart is for you to go in his name. And when you call on the name of Jesus, you're calling up the most powerful name in the planet, in the universe. There's a, there's a story I I read a book on a guy who came out of the occult and he said his first encounter with the power of Jesus was he was a ghostbuster. So he was in the occult, new age. The people get him in to um, clean out houses. Like we would go and pray for houses or just anoint houses or whatever. And he says that one day this demon just didn't want to leave. And he went there and he's like sick and tired because his normal tricks doesn't work. And then he goes, in the name of Jesus, out. And then he left. And he said that was, for him, one of the points that actually helped him along his journey to eventually end up meeting Jesus. Because in the name of Jesus, there's power. There's more power than you think. And we need to, we need to use that, but not as just a phrase at the end of our, of our prayers, but in understanding of who he is, of who he is. Often when, you, when you're in counseling and, and there are demons manifesting. And by the way, demons are there's a lot of demons, but Jesus is so much stronger and a lot of more angels anyway. But we want to get rid of those strongholds in your life. So people come to me and they manifest. And then they would speak back and they would ask, in which authority are you doing this? And you're just like, I don't have any authority, but Jesus has. Jesus has the authority. Because he is, he is the ruler of the universe. He, tri- he triumphant over every evil spirit. Nothing, fear, anxiety is nothing to him. Four, where two are agreed in asking, there's also, there's faith and God will provide. Matthew 18, 19, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So again, it's not saying you have to have faith, you have to ask with somebody else, you have to ask in Jesus' name. No, these are promises. Sometimes you ask in the name of Jesus, it doesn't work. Then you get a friend. You say, you know what, agree with me on this. I want a breakthrough in my marriage. I want a breakthrough in that person. So I have an idea to change George's community. I want you to pray with me. We need, we need the property for life. We come into agreement, and there's power. Unfortunately, if you're a Christian, you need to believe this. It means that if you agree, in other words, you don't have to have all the faith. You just need to agree. Luke and I can just say, we agree on this person's salvation. God wants to. He wants to with all his resources in heaven for that person to get saved. And then fifth one is persistence in prayer. Luke 18, 1 to 8, it tells a story, one of my favorite 
parables because this widow, she keeps on going to this, this evil judge and she's asking for justice. And then and the judge doesn't want to give her justice. Eventually, he gives us just, her justice because of her persistence, not because of, of the case that she's representing of who she is, but because she is persistent. Often we're like, you know, Jesus said no, so I'm not going to ask. I would never tell anybody that Jesus said no, unless I know for sure that it was a really evil re- request that that person made. So, for instance, like, I asked that, that Jesus take away Luke's car because I want his car. That's an evil request. But I will never tell somebody that it's no because I know, of, I, I understand this principle to be persistent in prayer. Just to, to ask and 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 to ask. This is what God wants from us. To ask and to ask, to be persistent. What Marilette was doing here this morning, I loved it. She, she, initially we were all called. And it's, Go with Dachy and George. George Vier. Yeah, we don't want to raise our hands. We're not necessarily going to give everything for the worship. Continually just inviting us into the presence of continually telling us, hey, there's more, just break through, go through, go through. That's part of being persistent. And then the last one is, and this is usually the first one that we focus on, but I put it last. It is, there's, there are hindrances to prayer. And we often go like, the reasons why my prayer, prayers are not heard are because of this. Marital disrespect, if you look at that, it's actually talking to the men. It's saying, if you don't respect your wife, your prayer is going to be hindered, by the way, men. But I just put marital there, so it feels like the woman, you also need to respect us for your prayers to be heard. Being, being unreconciled, look at, if you're unreconciled, it says, leave your gift at the altar and be reconciled. Unforgiveness, if, you, if you're not... If, you, if you're not forgiving somebody, you cannot receive forgiveness. It's a hindrance. If there's unrepentant, if there's unrepentant sin, in James 4 verse 3 that we've already went through, if there's selfish motives, and I, I want to put a disclaimer again here. Some of, our, some of us, you're saying you're asking with a selfish motive, but you're actually not. You're asking what God wants for you. So here's the summary of how to ask a right, not a miss is that you come to God with as sincere heart as you can. And you invite other people in, in that, and you request from God what you really believe is His will. If you do that all the time, God's going to reveal to you, hey, this sin or this thing or this thing needs to happen. You know what? Maybe you need to make right with your wife. But you need to come to God in order for Him to speak to you. Sometimes even asking after the first question that you ask, the request that you make, you only hear what God's saying to you. There's a, there's a guy, David Duplessis, who was instrumental in taking the Pentecostal movement into um, the Catholic Church. And when he was 13 years old, his dad was a missionary in Lesotho. Massive, amazing apostolic guy from South Africa. And um, when he was 13 years old, he wanted the Holy Spirit so much that he went to the principal and asked for him. He 
if you could take a day off to pray for the Holy Spirit. And for the whole day, they were praying with his family and some other people. And, and they went through the night. And then Saturday, Saturday morning, a young girl, one of, one of his friends, came to me and said, Hey, I believe God's saying there's one thing that you need to bring, confess, and then God will release the Holy Spirit on you. And then suddenly came to mind, seven years ago, he lied to his dad. And he said he confessed this. And the story is that the Holy Spirit came over him. He started laughing his head off, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And eventually that thing escalated and where he took the blessing of the Holy Spirit to the Catholic Church. But now, are you not getting stuff because there's a lie that you've told 10 years down the line? Don't think like that. That's not... That's not what God's trying to say. All he is saying, in his presence, in other words, taking time out, go to your principal, say, hey, I need time out. Or to your wife, or to your husband, to your boss, or to your kids, say, I'm going to spend time with God, and I'm going to press into this matter, whether it's for your family, or for yourself, or whatever it might be, or just like that, David Duplessis, for the Holy Spirit to be more tangible in your life, and you do that. And once you do that, so you're in the presence of God, then it gets revealed, wow, there's a hindrance. I spoke to my wife in this matter. manner, Or I'm, I lied there. Or they, there's this thing that came up. Or I lied on my tax or whatever. And you, and you just do that. You confess that. And once it's done, obviously if it's something you can physically do to, to correct the situation, then do it. Amen. Okay, can we get the band up?